Morning, everybody. Morning. All right, so as of today, you're not allowed to eat anything for the next few days, right? Yeah. In preparation. Make room. Actually, that's completely backwards. You should probably actually start completely engorging yourself to stretch your stomach out to properly gain that room. And then, you know, I made that mistake. You know, you do that thing where you starve yourself like the day before, and then you can eat like a, a roll. <laughs> totally defeats the purpose. All right, so how's everybody doing today? Good. Yeah? Nice to wake up and be 20 degrees warmer this morning than it was yesterday morning. That makes a huge difference. All right, well, as you can see, Wayne's not here today, so I guess I get to play, play Wayne again today. But uh, it's uh, going to be a beautiful day today, and uh, glad to have you all in church. If you're new here today, we welcome you, and uh, we like to think that, uh, you know, it's not an accident you're here. Uh, it's God's will you're here, and we hope that... Uh, you, know, you get something out of today's service. Uh, so why don't we get things kicking off here today. So go ahead and get up on your feet. We're going to start off with Holy is the Lord. Yeah. 
Nobody go anywhere yet. pretty far into it. We had somebody who helps feed us every week, and it's her birthday. So we also know it's... Oh, look, they already blew out. All right, here we go. We're going to make sure we're going to sing happy birthday to Chris. I also know it's uh, our Texas contingency, Katie Doan's birthday, right? So, um, so Chris, come here. Let's all sing happy birthday to Chris. She feeds you every week. So ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Chris, happy birthday to you. Thank you. There you go. All right, now our children can go ahead and go to um, our Sunday school. Yes, you can leave that one there, because I'm gonna, I got off. I got three of them. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, first things first. We're gonna pass something back around. I want to pass this around. This is a um, it has disciple disciple Bible study. How many have ever participated in a disciple Bible study? Okay. Disciple Bible study is a thirty-ish week um, Bible study. Um, I'm going to pass this around. Love to have you. It's a great way to get into the scripture. So if you're interested, sign up, and then we'll figure out logistics later. Um, there are three different clipboards. There on, on, should be three on each side, one on each side. So it's already circulating. That's awesome. And we can figure that out. That'll be great. Okay. Welcome. Everybody doing well? Everybody got your turkeys? Okay. Everybody feel like turkeys? Good, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, but welcome. If you're visiting with us today... We're glad that you're here, and we hope that you'll um, enjoy our service. Again, we are glad that you're here in the presence of God. We're going to have a good time in celebrating and worshiping the Lord. A uh, couple things. Tomorrow evening, uh, the Financial Peace Seminar. Uh, if you're interested in that, um, you can see that right here. Here it is, Dave Ramsey. Um, we had that insert last week. If you're interested, it is going to uh, begin tomorrow night, and it's a nine-week study that will deal with the biblical principles for finances. And you can see the information that is in your bulletin, but it does begin t t tomorrow. So if you'd like to connect with that, show up or also connect 
with Debbie DiVirgilio. Open mic night, many of you came in early, got to see some of the open mic uh, singing and things. We had a, a good time for the first time. How many would you say? About 20-some, 30-some, somewhere in there. And um, had, found out we had a lot of talent, so much so that Wayne left today. And <laughs> But um, no, we, uh, we found out we have a whole bunch of talent in the church, and that's great. So we can go ahead and connect there. Um, need kids to meet at 10 a.m. on December 6th, which is very close, uh, for the Northeast Parade. Um, we're, and we're meeting here, correct, at, um, at Haven at uh, 10 a.m. And we're going to have a float and things in the parade, so it'll be really cool. Uh, you can read the Dining for Women Christmas stuff. Operation Christmas Child. Last day, you can see the tables going and boxes. They're going out there. So if you bought boxes or if you're like, oh, I forgot, go ahead and talk to Liz, right, Liz? Raise your hand, Liz. Raise your hand. There she is back there. Go ahead and get hold of her uh, today. You also have her telephone number if you forgot. But that last week we prayed over a lot of those boxes. And what is our total so far? 133. And we wanted, we wanted 110. You realize that next year that means we're going to step it up to 150 or 200. So um, that's great. And that is those go to a kid to change their life on Christmas. So that's, that's awesome around the world. Um, Thanksgiving food drive. Today's the last day for that. Uh, if you wanted to do that and forgot that as well, you can contact, connect with, um, with some, uh, some others. I think Donna's running around here somewhere, and she's, I saw her moving turkeys and all kinds of other stuff out. Okay, so over, 20, so over 20 boxes, our goal was 14. Thank you. That, that means that 20 people who wouldn't have Thanksgiving are going to go ahead and have Thanksgiving dinner. So that's awesome. And then right after church, over here? Yeah, over in the classroom over here, after church, um, we are meeting to, for the uh, abuse and recovery ministry discussion. So if you'd like to be part of that, please go ahead and connect with that. And then emergency rotating shelter. You can see the dates and times that we're going to need that. Um, we are, uh, Joanne, I think I saw Joanne somewhere um, today. Um, but we are uh, we're ne- in need of drivers. They do have a bus, I think, and other things, but we need some drivers to get people back and forth. So if you're willing to um, be a bus driver, please go ahead and let uh, those know who need to be there. Okay? Everybody good? Just got to say hi to those around you real quick, and then I'll, I'll move into the rest of the service for prayer. Hey, Fred, no capo. <laughs> no capo. All right, let's, let's go to prayer. We, we're uh, lifting up these names in prayer. Uh, Shelly Rust is lifting up her neighbors, Paul and Denise. Um, had a house fire and lost everything. So pray for peace and comfort during this difficult time. Robin Hildebrand has lifted up prayers for Don Smith um, to heal his lungs and strengthen him as he returns to work, and for both Don and his wife, Debbie. Patty Miller, um, pray for the Onifer family. Her mother fell and broke her hip and just had surgery. Trish, Trish uh, Moore asked for prayer for the loss of her dog 
and um, surgery, um, surgery in the future. Um, Debbie Chadwick, prayer for Lois Adams and family for the loss of her son, Kenny. Oh, wow. Okay, we're going to definitely lift it. Randy Fluker, prayers for a former student having cancer surgery this week. Um, Jim, that my dad would be fine, uh, would find peace with his brain cancer. And so um, if there's many others, we want to lift that up in prayers. If you're uh, watching online, please feel uh, free to go ahead and click online and add that. Or if you forgot to add it today, go ahead and do that. Um, add that prayer request so that we can um, have that go out on the prayer chain. And, um, and ultimately, we just want to lift these things up before God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we, um, we're so thankful in the season of thanks for so many things. There are so many things that we just are grateful to you for, and we don't often take the time to go ahead and, and say the, those two simple words, thank you. So God, we want to start by just giving you thanks for who you are and for loving us and for being with us when everything else seems to fall apart in life. Lord, we lifted up a number of people in, um, on the prayer, prayer list and uh, specific prayers, people with surgeries, with cancers, with uh, loss of individuals and, and pets, and also um, loss of, of, of houses that they've, they trusted in and have been together because of the, the nature of a fire. And so, God, whatever the need may be, we ask for your Holy Spirit to just guide and direct us to give us strength during this time. For many, yes, it's a very festive time of year, an exciting time of year, but for others, it's a time of struggle and of loss. Where they look back on the loved ones that they don't have or just that, that spirit of depression and heaviness just comes in at this time. Whatever it is, Lord, I just pray that people will find you and connect to you closer than they ever have. For everything, we give you praise in Christ's name. And Lord, we just pray that you'll just anoint these gifts from the tither and the giver, whether they be here or whether they go ahead and donate online, whatever it may be, God, we know that, there are, that your body of Christ is not just limited to two or three, but to so many around the world. Strengthen us and use us here in this community. We just heard today two instances where 130-plus children's lives are going to be touched on Christmas, and they're going to know that they have a Savior and people who love them because of that. Also, we recognize that there's families that are going to have Thanksgiving dinner that didn't think they'd have anything. And for that, God, we give you joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Your love, O oh Lord, 
the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my shade in the shadow of your will. I will lift my I will find my strength in the shadow of your wing. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean tide. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my be reading from Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 6 in the New Living Translation and from Psalms 36. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And then from Psalms 36. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. 
They make no attempt to turn from evil. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful. Tell me about it. No, I mean seriously. I'm agreeing with you. You've got these plans, you know. This idea for how you think your life is going to go. Right. And then it just doesn't. What do you mean? I mean, didn't you want more for yourself than this? Didn't you want something better? This isn't so bad. How can you say that? I totally know what you mean. I was going to be a farmer. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I don't think you can look at it that way. I own spread. Maybe a few acres. Corn. You get me. See, though, I think this is nice. We're talking. That makes me happy. No, I'm glad you're thankful. Really, that's great. I just... I've got to be honest. How about you? Did you have any dreams for yourself? Money? Family? What? I'm thinking. I think he's right, though, you know. You can't look at it that way. Why not? I think if you make your life about what you don't have, it never stops, you know. That's easy for you to say. No, it's not easy for me. You know my story. Think about where I'm headed. You think I'm looking forward to what's coming next for me? Hey, you don't need to tell me. That's what I'm saying is all. But why should I give up what I've got right in front of me to feel bad about what's coming next? Why should I waste the little time I've got left feeling sorry for myself? Okay, yeah, I kind of see that. Me too. That's what I was trying to say. Seriously, how can you do that? How can you just not think about everything you've lost? Everything you're going to lose? How do you turn that off? I don't know. I try, that's all. I just try. I focus on the positive, you know. That doesn't work for me. I just... Yeah? What is it? I just feel like I was made for more than this. You ever feel like you're made for more than this? Huh? You can learn a lot from a turkey, am I right? Um, one of the things in life that I think ends up happening is uh, there's so many times in our lives that I think we reach points and we start to wonder, is this all there is? And are we supposed, to, is there more to life than what we're just dealing with? And, um, and so we, we go ahead and we begin to, to figure out some things. So I just kind of wanted to stop with um, just a standalone sermon this week. Just wanted to kind of talk and we're going to talk turkey today. Um, and um, I know, how many of you really, like, can't wait for Thanksgiving? Isn't, isn't it, like, just one of those things? I mean, uh, what's your favorite? Cranberry sauce? Who likes cranberry sauce? Cranberry sauce with the little berries or not? How, who likes with berries? Okay, you're all demented. Um, <laughs> um, how many just like the turkey? Stuffing? 
Stuffing, yeah, stuffing's pretty good. How many like at the end of the day where you get to slop all that together in like one of those bobby things and chuck that down your gullet? Uh, yeah, that's a good stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing and stuff ourselves. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that we, we work so hard to... How many of you like the parades? Okay, you're demented too. Um, so, um, how many like the football games? There we go, there we go. All right. I'm so thrilled the Eagles-Cowboys is going to be a good game so I can yell with a full belly. Um, but we can go ahead and, and have that. Um, I heard a story of, uh, uh, it's a true story of two brothers wanted to go ahead and mess with their sister. And so what they did, they took a turkey. Um, she was cooking a turkey. And as she was cooking a turkey, um, the one brother drug her outside and stuck a uh, small, like Cornish game hen kind of thing in there, a real small one. She opened it up, pulled the stuffing out and shoved it in the turkey. And, when, and then when she pulled it out and opened it, he said, oh my gosh, you cooked a pregnant, pregnant turkey. And she was so, so thrown off that she didn't want to eat Thanksgiving until they told her, and then she hated them. Um, <laughs> so how many of you have families that would do that, right? Um, that sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Go get them. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that this time of year where we, we look at life, and when I look at sermons, I, I was amazed. I was looking at how many more Sundays we have in the year. We don't have that many. And I was thinking about 2013 and, and all that that brought and then into 2014. It's been an unusual year. Um, it's, it's been good. It's been bad. It's been ugly. I think a little bit of all that stuff. Uh, and God has been through in the midst of all that. So one of the things that we try to do here every week is try to leave you with a challenge. Sometimes it is a challenge in our behavior. We like those weeks, don't we? Sometimes those weeks, like, we're really challenged to go ahead and say, okay, how is my behavior in God? What do I need to do with that? And other weeks, it's something that we need to mull over for a while. It's something in our thought process that we need to change. And what I've recognized in my life is usually it is because of the things in our mind, and once we get those across, that eventually change the behavior that we have here. So... Um, you know, like, like other times, the behavioral stuff, like a couple weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness, and, ge- and then we talked about generosity and other kinds of things like that. And sometimes when we challenge our behaviors, we need to think about how to change our world, um, ourselves, and, and think about wh- what we think about God as well. So today, I want to ch- give you a challenge. It is going to be the first. If you're visiting and aren't sure, we have a bulletin that hopefully you'll fill that out. So th- the first thing that I want to challenge today, the thing I want to challenge today, is we need to understand and challenge how God sees us. And so that's where we're going to start today, how God sees us. Because I believe that shapes a lot of different things in our world when we shape and look how God sees us. So we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 1, which I, is printed in your bulletin. And we're going to read a section of that. Primarily, we're going to be in, in, in three verses the whole day of Jeremiah. But I just wanted to start off a little bit here. And it says, and we're going to start off with a theme that you're a turkey. Okay, and that's where God starts. He says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, Jeremiah, a little bit of background history here. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was not a bullfrog, no matter what that song says. Uh, he was a prophet. And he, a prophet basically is the mouthpiece for God. 
the one who speaks for God. A lot of people add this future element to it, but it's not a future teller. It's someone who has the mouthpiece that shares for God. In doing so, uh, God has a task for Jeremiah. So before God gives Jeremiah the task, he wants to tell him what he thinks about him. And as we just read, look at what, he, what does he think about him. He says, it says, the Lord came before me and gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you. Now, Jeremiah is a young man. He's about 17, 18 years of age, 17 years old. So at the end of his high school, beginning to college, a time of year, life where everybody has everything together and nothing's conflicting, no questions in your life, right? Okay. Uh, the next time that'll happen is in your 40s. Um, that'll happen again, or it may continue all the way through. But God has a unique calling on his life. And so God says, before I have you go ahead and do this, I want to do something. I want to tell you what I think about you. And here's the first thing. God knew him. Now, he says, before you were formed, God knew you. That's the first thing we need to know. Before you were formed, God knows you. Now, I find this very interesting because God knows us before we were ever put together at all. Before we were ever joined together, God knows us. Before you were formed, God knows you. And in this, why is this important? Because if it conveys to us that there is a personal, intimate, loving God. The other thing, <laughs> I love it. Um, the other thing that it tells us is this. God knows you. You're like, yeah, Jack, we heard that. Don't. Big deal. Do you know you? How many of you know who you are? Nobody? Okay, we're going to need to go back to square one. Do you know anything about you? Are there things in your life that you really don't like about you? Just a few? Like if I said, today for everybody here, we're going to take the rest of the, the sermon and we're going to give a snapshot of your week and all those things that nobody knows about you, take it away on the big screen. How many of you would be excited about that? Here's the thing. God knows you. Before you were ever created, God knows you, knows who you are, knows what you do, knows what you like, knows how you act, knows the things you say, knows the thoughts that you have. Oh, not that one. Knows all those things. And yet, even though God knows you, he still wants to, what, he knows you. He still wants to do some other things with you. He has a plan for your life. Now, I've known many people, and I'd say everybody in their life is hiding a little bit of something. Am I right? Okay. Now, if we're hiding a little bit of something, there's some other things that, that happen. I realize that people who hide things often live with a lot of guilt. They hold guilt in. Big time. They also have maybe hurt and resentment and other kinds of things, and they manifest it in different areas. And I got to tell you, it takes a lot of effort to hide Anybody ever played hide-and-seek? Who played hide-and-seek? When's the last time you played hide-and-seek? Oh, did you last night? All right, yeah. Huh? Last week. Okay, there you go. But when you play hide-and-seek, like as adults, we play hide-and-seek like this with the kids. We hide behind something so they can kind of catch us. Am I right? But when we were, like, young, we were like, I'm hiding. You ain't getting me. We'll, like, climb up underneath a, a tree and sit like this and wait, wait, and they'll go underneath us, and we won't move. We'll do whatever we can. It takes a lot of effort to hide really well, doesn't it? And so there's nothing different about that than in our normal lives. In our normal lives, we go ahead and hide ourselves constantly. And it's a lot of effort to hide ourselves. Sure, some of you think you can hide like this. 
what's going on in your life. But guess what? The people who know you know there's something else going on there. There's no, there's a brokenness that exists. I always loved like the Far Side comics and they had like the ones on like Thanksgiving and they'd show like a turkey pointing at a cow and things like that, you know, <laughs> through, a, through a scope or something or to a deer or something like that. Those are, that's how we hide a lot of times. We want somebody else to look somewhere else. But in dealing with that, we have a lot of struggles in hiding. But there's no need to hide. God says, hey, Jeremiah, there's no need for you to hide from me because I know you. Oh, yeah, all that mess, all those thoughts, all the things you did, I know that. I knew that before I even put you together. I know that, and guess what? I know you before I formed you. Now, here's something that's really cool. The term formed actually translates to pottered. Anybody ever done a pottery class? Anybody ever done that? I did one in, in high school where I'd sit there and you would make all these little things and I made a, like a, a dinosaur that played a guitar. I have no clue why, but, uh, but I, I made it and I mean, you'd have to work it. You have, you have to knead it together. You have to get all the air out, right? You have to do that. You have to work it. You have to roll it. You have to do it again and do it again. Get all that air out because if it's in the kiln, it'll explode. And so you got to go ahead. You got to get all that air bubbles and it'll go... It'll go pop all these bubbles out. You get it together, then you start shaping it, and then you start doing all these other kinds of things. It takes a long time to get it to the way you want. And he was a pretty cool little, little guy, too. And I, I found out little ways to make little scales with uh, paper clips. And I took a little brush and made it, had him in a little jacket. He was pretty cool. Had a bow tie and one of those roughly tuxedo t-shirts. So... I like to picture my dinosaur with a tuxedo t-shirt. Um, so we had this kind of stuff that was there. And I remember some people did the same thing, but they didn't work it enough. They were like, eh, I'm just going to sew it together. It'll be fine. And when they put it in the kiln, you heard this, boom! Because when we don't have the time to be pottered or formed in the shape of God, eventually there will be something that explodes when the heat is on. And so the other thing that we know about a potter is a potter takes a lot of time. A lot of time. I remember uh, that there was, a there was a time where I remember someone brought it, uh, that I saw one time, someone had brought in a, um, it was in a, a briefcase, and I think it was in seminary, and brought in this thing, and it was, he opened it up, and there was this little piece of pottery that was broken. It was like, ooh, that's cool, yay. And then he began to explain what it was. He said, this is a 3,000-year-old piece of pottery. This is older than Jeremiah. And the thing was, up until that time, you know what pottery does? Pottery, up until till the time pottery became be made, people were very nomadic. They went around, but it allowed people to store things, allowed them to settle down, and, so, and it allowed them to put things in it. And I believe what God is saying here is, is that when you get settled down and you let me form you, then I can place my spirit in you. And even though I know you, and I know that you may have an air bubble and a crack here, and it may not be perfect, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to shape you and form you. Form you for what? A purpose. A purpose. So the first thing he does, he knows us. And the next thing, why does he know us? And what does he want to do? Well, before you were, God set you apart. And what that means is God set you apart, or you are chosen. God chose you. Now, isn't that cool? I think this is cool that even though my wife knew me, before, she still agreed to marry me. She knew all my good, my bad, my ugly, all that kind of stuff. But yet she still chose to love me and marry me. And she still chooses to stay married to me in spite of knowing me even more. 
And here's what's even really cool. Before God formed you, before you were born, God knew you and he still chose you for a task and for a purpose in life. And what is that? God chose you for whatever he has called you to do. In this case, he wanted Jeremiah to be a mouthpiece to the world. Now, think about this for a second. How many of you ever remember in the old days when it was recess? How many of you were good athletes? Like, if it was kickball time, man, you were the kickball person. Raise your hand. All right. So there's a lot more of us who had to wait to the end of the line. Am I right? And, you know, you'd be in that process, and you'd have a, or, or worse, they don't do it much anymore. Dodgeball? Oh, yeah, I hit a cord right there, didn't I? Dodgeball. How many of you ever got pegged with one of those big purple red balls in the head? Right? And dodgeball. Okay. So... When it came time, I heard a story. You know, you would be waiting in line to be picked, but I heard a story a couple years ago about a guy named Dave, and he was, he was in his late 30s, and he was talking about when he was younger, he was a really gangly, kind of sickly guy who didn't really... He probably had the athletic ability of nothing. And so his, bro- his brother, on the other hand, so he was about middle school, and his brother was in high school. He was a high school senior, and he was an excellent athlete and was extremely great at basketball. And so every Saturday, he and his senior friends would come, and they'd go ahead and play basketball. And one day, Dave came downstairs, and he said to his mom, he said, guess what? She said, what? He said, I'm going to go play basketball. I'm going to do something I've never done before. She said, what's that? He said, I'm going to go play basketball. He said, are you sure that's a real good idea? You know, you're not very coordinated. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Mom. So he said he went downstairs, and he was so excited to go out there on the court. And how they used to pick captains was you're, you're in the backyard, and, and you're at the, on the court, and you bounce the ball, and then you take free throws to see who would be a captain. So Dave stood up there, and he went, and it went about three feet straight down. So he was not going to be a captain. He's like, oh, man, maybe this isn't a good idea. So obviously, one of the captains was his, his brother, just raining him, just putting him right through. So Dave had the first pick. I mean, Dave's brother had the first pick, and Dave was standing there. You know that feeling? You know you're just going to be thrown in at the end. And if there's too many people, you'll work yourself in kind of deal. And he said he was sitting there, and his brother went down the line of people. Dave is at the end of the line, and he gets here, he comes back. He goes, Dave, I choose you. And Dave came over, and he said all his cool 13-year-oldest went, and he just burst into tears, and he just put his head in his brother's chest as his brother continued picking people. You see, Dave knew, Dave's brother knew who Dave was. He knew he was horrible at basketball. He knew that he would have to play all the harder, and he could probably just tack him in at the end and throw him the ball and get it back. But he also knew who he was to him, and he was the best choice that day. Dave said what touched him so much is that with all the choice of everybody, his brother knew him and yet still chose him. When we are chosen, it changes you, doesn't it? And what we need to recognize is that we were chosen by God, to be loved by God, to be 
to be hugged by God. Out of everybody else, he knows your mess. He knows your life history. He knows the people you're going to have to deal with this week that's going to drive you absolutely crazy. And yet, he also still chooses you and loves you and gave his life up for you in the midst of all this stuff. Now, here's the thing about our chosenness. God chose us to set us apart. Now, here's the thing, and I, I've seen this time and time again, that God does not, now, if Dave's brother had said, come on, Dave, and he said, no, 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 you need to pick somebody better. No, no, come on, Dave, and he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to go in the house. The same thing rings true with each of us. We have a choice whether to receive our, our chosenness or not. We can either go ahead and take up our chosenness or deny it and leave it behind. But I want to tell you, for what God has called you to do, there is no substitutes. And I fully believe in the body of Christ, there are a lot of gaps because people are not filling the realms of what God has called them to do. When God has called you for a purpose, he doesn't go somewhere else. He calls you and empowers you for that job. So we, there are no substitutes for you. So, for, so what we have right here, we have that he, God knows us and he still chooses us. But what's the third one? Before you were, God appointed you. God appointed you or gave you. God appointed you or gave you. Now you say, wait a second. Now I think this is really interesting because I, a lot of times I watch a lot of sports and I, I love the draft. I love the, uh, when they have NFL drafts and all kinds of drafts. And when they do a draft, sometimes somebody will pick somebody for the sake of giving them away. And I always thought, that, what, what do you do with that mixture? That, oh, yay, they love me, and they give me away, and I guess they don't love me. But you have that. But I want to share with you something that a point actually means to give. Because God's character is one that is generous and giving. God will be generous with giving you. Once you recognize, once God recognizes who you are and he chooses you, he will go ahead and give you to the task that he has called you to be in. How do I know this? It's, so part, it's such a major part of God's nature. Let's look at this. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his, only, his one and only son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What did God do? What did he do with his son? Right here, look at me. They're just crying. You've heard babies cry before. It's all good. What, what did God do? He gave. Who? His only son. That's his nature. Number two. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has what? Given us what? The Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Galatians 20, uh, 2, 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. The nature of God is to give. He gave life. He gives his Holy Spirit. He gives his Son. He gives. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He gives to each of us. I have nothing in my life it isn't, if it isn't for the Lord. He gives that to me. I can work my tail off and have nothing unless I, God decides to choose to give to me. And so when we look at this, we have to embrace the fact that God is a good, loving, and giving God. He loves and gives us. God always moves in the area of giving and generosity. And if you really want to begin to take on the nature of God, don't start hoarding up. Start giving. Give love to somebody who doesn't deserve it. 
Give finances to somebody who needs it. Give a pat on the back to someone who feels like they've got nothing to live for. Give one of those dumb jokes that you hear to somebody who just can't seem to smile anymore. And go ahead and share and see where, where that leads you. You know, there was a, there was a story about a, um, around Thanksgiving where this mother had sent a gift to her daughter. And it was a parrot. And the parrot, she really liked it. It would, it would talk back and forth. And it was really cool, except for it had one problem. It always cursed. She, she'd say something, man, it would always curse. And she tried to get it to stop cursing. And so she said, I, I can't deal with this anymore. So she began to, she goes, she kept saying, I'm going to take you back to my mother. I'm going to take you back to my mother. And she said, no, no, no. And, said, and the thing would just cuss her out again. She's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this thing? So finally one time she said, mom's coming over for Thanksgiving. The mother came in and uh, the mother brought in the turkey. And she said, look at this, mom. And and all of a sudden, the parrot goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I will never curse again. So what? And started, started praying. She's like, what's wrong with this? And she heard the, the parrot praying said, oh, Lord, I promise I will never curse again because I saw what they did with that, that poor turkey bird. <laughs> our, our circumstances often change us and make us begin to feel that things are different situations. You know, one of the things I look at, then we see the giving nature. Sometimes it's not easy. Have you ever seen baby birds? Have you ever seen baby birds? When it's time for them to fly, sometimes the mother will actually just pick them off, peel them off of them, and throw them out. Some of you have teenagers want to do the same thing. You want to peel them off, throw them out, because eventually they weren't created just to be sitting in a nest. They were created to fly and to live and to grow. And so when you see baby birds and a mom, they will, they will be with them. They will trust in them. They will love on them. They will comfort them. But then there comes a time where they will kick them out of the nest so that they can be made to fly. You know, we spend so much time in our lives building our own worlds that we forget to be generous and give. I was having discussions with um, some people in, uh, in the clergy realm the other week, and one of the things we were talking about is how it used to, uh, just some interesting stories about how when people used to die, they used to leave bequests to the churches. And many churches have hardly anybody in them and large endowments now because people gave as part of that, recognizing that part of their life was something that happened. Now, whether people don't have it or don't do it, I don't, it's not part of how we do things now. People used to give generously to, to God in many ways. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be the pastor of a church that when we set a bar of 110 boxes, that we blow that away. I'm thrilled that when we throw out at the same time um, Thanksgiving dinners, we blow that away because that is part of the giving nature and that's part of God. And so people's lives, it's not just a turkey that you pull out of Walmart or wherever you got it at and drag it in and say, here it is. It is the givingness and the generosity of God displayed in our lives. And so often, so many people are so narcissistic and fo focused on our own lives, we forget that we are meant to be giving and loving in the nature of God the Father who gave his Son and his life up for us. You see, one of the things that you need to do is you need to know that you are known, chosen, and given by God. Now, I love Jeremiah's honest response here because he's a real turkey here. He responds like a real turkey would. He says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. 
You see, because when we're really turkeys in life, what we do is this. We rely on our I can't, I'm too lists. Anybody have an I can't, I'm too? I can't, I'm too busy. I can't, I don't have, an, I'm, I don't have enough time. I can't, I'm too old. I can't, I'm too young. I can't, I don't have enough time. I can't, I don't have enough money. I can't, I don't have enough focus. I can't, I don't have enough knowledge. I can't, I don't have enough uh, scriptural knowledge about this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we live our lives in the I can't too, because I'm too list. And it keeps us from being who God created us and called us to be. I can't do this. I can't do that. Time and time again. God speaks to us. And you know where that I can't because I'm too comes from? One word. Fear. We're afraid. We're afraid of what happens. We're afraid of not being able to live up. God does not seek our quality first and then trust, have us trust him faithfully. He wants us to trust him faithfully and then he will give us everything else that we need. Notice the word that God used in all this section, before. Before you were made, before you were born, I called you, I chose you, I know you, I appointed you and gave you. Now we are all a little bit of turkeys ourselves. And I, in searching for and, and doing some of this, um, I want to tell you what we can learn from a turkey and being a turkey Christian, okay? So what I want to do is I want to show you this brief video clip to start off, from a PBS special, which I watched the whole special, called My Life as a Turkey. Go ahead. This was a crucial time. This is the moment that the Pulse must recognize me as a parent. Imprinting only occurs in these first few moments out of the egg. And then suddenly, the end of the egg fell away. And this little pult fell out, and he's wet, and he's confused, and he's scrambling. And it's obviously a desperate time. Well, I finally remembered to make a sound. And I made my little turkey sound that I had been making to these eggs. And the little turkey stopped immediately. And his little shaking wet head rotated. And he looked me square in the eyes, and there was something very unambiguous transpired in that moment. And he identified me as the, the pair of eyes belonging to the correct voice. And in his way, he stumbled and hopped across the floor of the incubator and joined me at the edge of the shelf and huddled up against my face and went to sleep. Isn't that cool? Uh, he spent a year and a half with these turkeys. So you can see it online. It's pretty awesome. Um, so let's go ahead and what if we go cold turkey? What if we go ahead and go cold turkey and begin to change our lives and to be who God wants us to be? A couple things that we can learn from turkeys that we can go from this. Turkeys have and recognize unique voices. Turkeys have and recognize unique voices. They recognize each other. And as you saw in that clip, they recognize whose mom is. They recognize who the parent is here. And so... By having and recognizing unique voices, this is what God requires us to do. He says in John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. 
and they follow me. We need to be still and listen for the voice of God in our lives and what he's going to call us to do. We need to be Jeremiah and listen and respond. The next thing that we learn about turkeys is turkeys are sensitive and social creatures. Sensitive and social creatures. This sounds like the church. You know what? why? Because turkeys like small groups. They tend to group off with people that they like things alike. In that, in that video, you'll find out that some like to chase snakes and some like to chase squirrels and some like to just run around deer and other kinds of things. So we are social. We were made for each other. Look at what it says here in the scripture. It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know what I find out is turkeys will at times fight with each other, particularly the males for dominance, but afterwards then they're all cool. They go on. And I thought, man, that's what we need, turkey church. Turkey church where, you know, we, we have some disagreements at times, but guess what? We can come together and have unity and recognize that we are social. But the other area of that is we recognize we are sensitive. We need each other. We need to share with one another and bear with each other. The other thing, the third thing, and the last thing I'm going to share with you today. Turkeys are trained, protected, and guided by their parent. One of the things you find out about turkeys is that Anybody know where turkeys sleep? Wild turkeys. Where? Trees. They like to sleep in the trees. But when they're little, poults, when they're little poults, they can't get in the trees. So you know what the mother does? The mother stays on the ground, covers them with their wings, and holds them there, and keeps them safe and protected. And wherever the mother goes, they follow along and teaches them how to do these things. Look at what it says here in Psalm 36. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountains. Your justice is like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O Lord. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of what? Your wings. Jesus said, Oh, how I would have loved to gather you as a mother hen would have gathered her chicks. Jesus still wants to do, do that. And guess what? He wants to give you a Thanksgiving dinner. Look what it says here. You feed from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from the river of delights. You are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. God wants to direct, guide, and lead you on. So what do we need to do with this? We need to become turkeys. Gobble, gobble. Right? We need to become turkeys like this. I want, this is your geo this week. I want you to be a turkey. Be a turkey. Learn from them. Group together. Love one another. Don't be a domesticated turkey because you know what? Wild turkeys can fly up to 55 miles an hour. Homegrown ones, you know how much they can fly? None. You know why? Because they're fat and content. And I believe sadly in the body of Christ, there are many Christians who are fat and content in their own lives, in their own journeys, rather than being driven by where God is sending them and having them fly to the treetops. Imagine if you're a domesticated turkey and you come out and you look up in a tree and say, how the heck did you get up there? I flew. You can't fly. Maybe one of the reasons why many of us aren't flying with Christ is because we're filling our lives with stuff that God doesn't want us to have. Maybe we're not recognizing that in our, in our lives and in our past that God does know us. He calls us. 
and he wants to give us to the world to go ahead and have many people know him. Amen? All right, at this time, one of the things is called, the communion is called the Great Thanksgiving. I'm going to ask the praise team and those serving to come forward. And so I thought, what a great time to do communion on the great Thanksgiving to give thanks to God. And what we do here is we recognize the great gift of Jesus being given for us. And on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, he blessed it, gave it to his, broke it, and then he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat from this, all of you. This is my body of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Eat this and remember to me. Likewise, after the supper was over, he took the cup. And he took the cup and he blessed it once again. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Many people believe that the broken bread in the Seder meal was called the Africa man, which means I have come. And that the cup that he would have taken was called the cup of redemption. So in a sense, what Jesus was doing is in this meal saying, this is the reason why I'm here. I have come to redeem you. I have come to let you know my father loves you and he chose you. And he wants, to give, wants me to give my life so that you can give your life for him. And so, Lord... Send your blessing upon these gifts. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. For everyone else here, may you go ahead and send your Holy Spirit on us that we may be for the world, for the healing of the world. And you know, there's some rules to communion. Here they are. Do you love Jesus? Some people may not understand that, may say, well, I'm not sure. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said it can be a converting sacrament that through the act of communion, God can change your heart just by recognizing that this is a symbol of what happened to him on a cross. Do you want to live at peace with one another? Now's a good time to do it. You got family coming over this week, right? You got that uncle, that aunt, that person that you're going to look across the table and go, oh my gosh, get me through this, Lord. And say, God, I have forgiven all I can. You just got to help me with the unforgiveness. And you just want to seek to live at peace with one another. And guess what? You got some stuff in your own life. It's called sin. And if you want to repent of that and have God take it, let him do so. So I'm going to ask the servers come here and, and the praise team. We're going to go ahead and we're going to serve you all. There we go. The body of our Lord. body of our Lord broken and given for you and his blood shed for you. In the days of the early church, they used to have a full meal with, with this as a recognition of who Christ is for them. Thus it was known as the great thanksgiving. So let's give thanks to God for who he is and giving his body and his blood for each of us.
All right, so what we want to do, this, the altar is open for you to come. We have three, three sections, and I'm going to ask that if that's this side over here, I'll, I'll come from the back and down and around that way, and then we'll have this side come down and around here and return this way, and this side come down and around here, and come from the back first. It makes it easier, all right? Come to the table of the Lord, and if you need to pray, I'm also going to ask um, if our uh, Stephen ministers will come up and begin to pray with people if they're available Debbie, if, if you and Randy and others will come up and pray as well. You can come up right now and receive communion so you'll be available to pray. Come to the table of the Lord, the great thanksgiving. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so amazing Jesus Messiah name above all names Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, rescue for sinners, ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of the bread his blood the wine broken and poured out all for love the whole earth trembled and the veil was torn love so amazing love so amazing Jesus Messiah
Amen. All right. Have a great Thanksgiving. Believe it or not, next week is what we call the first week of Advent. So that means we're starting our countdown to Christmas, but our countdown to Jesus' Advent means coming, the coming of Christ. So we're going to believe that or not. Is that, is that wild? Like, that means like four weeks until Christmas. So have a great Thanksgiving. Celebrate Jesus. Hope to see you here next week. But one other thing. Um, if you did not bring your Thanksgiving stuff and turkey, go next door to where the dance center is. Donna set up shop there, and she will go ahead and take that down to know how much she needs to get. So you can go right out here, right to the left. Have an awesome week. Be a bunch of turkeys. We'll see you. Jesus, please don't let this go in.